0: And basically, the message that I have to share with you, I would title it, Esteem the Word of God. So if you're a note-taker, there you go. That's the title of this message, Esteem the Word of God. And Pastor has provided me with the perfect illustration of esteeming the Word of God. So obviously, he's not here today. Do you know where he's at? I'm going to rat him out just because it's the perfect illustration He is at, or was at, last night late, a Jason Aldean concert. (laughs) You guys know my take on country, obviously. He gets his digs in on me while he's got the microphone, so it's my turn. So, Pastor is not esteeming the Word of God today. So, he's skipping church to go to a country concert, and we all know that country music is of the devil, right? So... We know he's not esteeming the Word of God, and I'm sorry if you like country music. You know, that's, you're know you going to have to get mad at God. I mean, it's in there somewhere, I'm sure of it. I'm, no Anyway, I'm just joking around, but, but he, is, he is taking the opportunity to spend some time with his family. Uh, it was a special request of Micah's, and he's honoring that and taking the time to take him to that concert. So it's a neat thing, it's, and, and, he, and he deserves a day off now and then. So that's where he's at, um, but go with me to the book of Nehemiah. And we will start there and talk about esteeming the Word of God. I'll give you a little extra time because I'm sure everybody flips the Nehemiah on a regular basis. Basically, you have Nehemiah. The, The city of Jerusalem had been destroyed, the people of Israel had been scattered abroad, basically. And Nehemiah, God put it in his heart to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, reestablish the covenant God had with his people, reestablish the, the, um, the, the law that Moses had written, and get those things, those sacrifices and, and the temple back in order, all of those things back in order. And basically, where we're going to start reading in 8, all of this has been rebuilt, all of this is back in order, all of the people have been allowed to come and to gather together and to... Go back to the word of the law. And and we'll see here, uh, Ezra was the high priest. Basically, he was the preacher of the day. He was the one that was going to bring the word then, the Mosaic law, back out. And they were going to go through it and read it. Because all of these people had been so long forgotten of it, most of them don't even know what it was. They don't know the the hows and the do's and the don'ts and those things like that. So that's what they're redoing and reestablishing. So let's start in chapter 1. I'm going to read through... Verse 9, and then we'll go back and kind of break this down. And again, we're talking about esteeming the word of God, and that's what these people are doing this day. It says, Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday, before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him on his right hand stood Matthihiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Masiah and on his left hand, Pediah, Mishael, Melchizedek, Hashem, Hashbadanah, Zechariah, and Meshulam. All those guys, other priests of the day, basically, maybe you could call them associate pastors or something like that. So I'm sorry, I'm not very good at pronouncing some of these names, but... And in, chapter, or in verse 5 there, it says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened the book, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, a bunch of these other guys, this is the, these are the uh, associates, basically, of the day, and the Levites, helped the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand. And Nehemiah, who was governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. So let's go back through and break this down again. This is basically the first church service they're having after reestablishing Jerusalem, reestablishing the, the law, the Mosaic law, and bringing all the people back together to start serving God once again. Because, again, they had been scattered. They were serving false gods. They were out serving other uh, peoples and other types of people who were not uh, chosen of God as Israel. And so they were scattered everywhere. And and. and Uh, Nehemiah was able to to find grace in God's sight and the leaders of that day to bring the people back together. So back to verse 1, and let's kind of break this down, and we see how they esteem the word of God. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. Basically, kind of sounds like a church service. They all got together in one spot and, and got around this. The book. Verse 2. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. All the men, all the women, and all who could hear with understanding. Well, many of you have little kids. What, What age of understanding can they start figuring this out? Pretty young. I mean, we're not talking 16, 18 years old, but little kids could understand the word at that time. So they were there, all these people that could understand, all the men, all the women, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people all gathered together that day. Verse 3, Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and all those who could understand, and all the ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law. From morning until midday. OK, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say they're late sleepers, and they don't rise real early. What's morning? Let's say it's 9 AM, midday. Well, earliest midday to me would be about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, that, that sounds fair. And midday really could be 3, 4, 5 o'clock if you really want to consider what midday was, and especially if you really look back on what they called their day, midday. I mean, so 9 to 2 would be the absolute minimum. That's five hours. They stood there, and he read from the word of God. And it says they were all attentive to the book of the law. Well, five hours, I can't make it that long without taking a potty break. Five hours is a long time to go without any food. But, but really, you look in, the, look in the book, and usually the day starts at 6 a.m. in most references to any time frame in the Bible. So there's another three hours. We're looking at eight there. And if you want to go midday, they could be talking a whole lot further than that. But let's say eight hours of standing there listening to this man preach the word of God. They were reading it straight out of the law, just basically reading the word. They, they taught some to help them understand if there was something they didn't understand. They taught it. But for eight hours, they stood there and listened to the word of God, dealing with little kids, dealing with the fusses of all of that, dealing with restroom breaks, thousands and thousands of people running off to use that, all the hubbub of all that. Just think about that. And yet they were all attentive to the word of God. Verse 4, So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him at his right hand stood all of the associates or all the other Levites, the priests of the day. You suppose this is where we get the pulpit preaching from? I just kind of thought that was interesting. They made a special thing of wood that day for just for that a special platform that he could stand and preach from above the people. And verse 5 says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. When Ezra opened the book, all the people stood up, thereby showing respect to both Ezra and to the word he was about to read. For example, A servant is moved to stand when their master speaks to them in honor of their master and to show a readiness of what they are about to be bidden. So think about that. As he opened the book, he hadn't even read from it yet. They all rose up in honor to it. No, we don't expect you to stand when pastor opens the book. But be thinking about that. What kind of respect and honor? Do we we come to church and as pastor opens the book, do we start checking out? Do we start thinking about, the other things that we got going on and you know I live a hectic lifestyle too you know there's plenty of things going on and I'm not trying to make light of that and it's hard sometimes to stay focused on that because that stuff is trying to constantly creep in because it demands your attention and it needs your attention but when we come and we have the opportunity to be taught the Word of God that's when we should really lock in let that other stuff go And and do our part to lock in. Again, no, you don't have to stand every time pastor opens the book. But I want you to remember that when he opens the book. Stand in here and be ready. Be at attention and be ready to receive the word of God. And as you'll see as we esteem the word, what it can do in our lives. I mean, he's talking about faith these last few weeks. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And if your mind is elsewhere, you're not hearing and you're not able to absorb that, and you are not able to develop your faith. And so we need to be attentive to that, and as we are, that faith is developed, and our lives are changed every single time we walk into these doors. You know, and that's a confession that I've had for years, and I don't always say it, but I want my life to be changed every single time I come to church, and it can and will be changed You'll hear a truth that you've never heard. You'll hear something that will deliver you. You'll hear something that will pull you right into the presence of God, and you'll experience God and know God at a greater level than you ever have before. And we'll get into more of that as we see this. Uh, Verse 6. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, that all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Sounds like they started with worship too. And verse 7, also the other Levites that were there helped the people to understand the law and the people stood in their place. And eight, uh, verse 8 says, so they read distinctly from the book in the law of God and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. So again, yes, they taught some but basically sat for eight-plus hours and just read. Could, Could you imagine? Would you be able to stay attentive if I just sat here, opened the book of Psalms, and read it straight through? But could you imagine if you were attentive and you were absorbing everything that was said, how greatly your life could be changed because of the power of the Word of God, which goes beyond so many other things, so many other things that we can experience in church the wonderful things that we can experience, his presence to to healing, to health, to prophecy, to the gifts of the spirit. But the word far exceeds those things, and we'll see that here in the future. Let me see, where was that at? Uh, Verse 9, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. That scripture right there, I remember reading that years ago, and I don't know if I read it in a book or if I read it this book and it, and it stuck out, but the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Remember, these people hadn't heard it. And, and had fallen far from it, just basically living their own way and doing their own thing. When was the last time you wept when you read the word? When was the last time you wept when you heard pastor's message and he preached the word to you? When was the last time the revelation of God's word pricked your heart with conviction to the point of tears? When did you hear the word last that it got a hold of you so much that you realized something was off in your life and you just had to do something about it, and it brought you to tears because you knew you were against God in that thing? Or, When was the last time the revelation of God's word brought tears of joy to you because of the awesome humility that comes from knowing and understanding God? I I can say it doesn't happen all the time, and that's because I'm not as attentive, I'm sure, as I could and should be. But there are many times I'll sit there and pastor's preaching, and I'm choking. I'm fighting back tears because either I know I'm, I'm doing wrong, and it, and it grieves me because I know I'm grieving God, and I know it hurts his heart to see his kids not doing what he's told them to do, not because he's mad at them because they're doing wrong, but because it limits what he can do in their lives. It limits... His presence in their life. It limits the relationship, the knowing of each other, that that intimacy that you can have with God is totally limited when we don't be attentive to the Word of God, when we don't esteem the Word of God and allow it to pull us into the presence of God and allow us to get to know God on a more intimate level than ever before. Let's go to Psalms 138 and verse 2. I would like to show you how the Word of God far exceeds anything else you can experience or see with God. And the Word of God is the key To knowing God. You you ask and you say, I want to know God. I want to know God more than I've ever known God before. I want to understand God. I want to experience God like I never have before. Esteem the Word of God. And you will know God like you've never known God before. Spend more time in His Word than you ever have before and you'll find yourself experiencing more of God. Not because of a prayer line, not because of a great church service where the Spirit of God fell, but because you esteem the Word of God, you will experience God more than ever before. And here's why. Psalms 138 and verse 2. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and for your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. God has magnified his word above his very own name. So what does that mean? What does it mean that God has exalted the word above his own name? I mean, on the surface, basically, God says his word is higher and more important and of greater esteem than his very name. That means something. That tells me what God is trying to say, and I, and I look at that, and that just blows my mind. God says His own word is more important than His very name than who He is and what He's made of is the word is, is, is higher than all of that. And so I got to thinking about that. Well, what does that really mean? How do, how do we really understand that? What, is, what, is, what does it mean God's word is higher than His name? And, and one of uh, the commentaries uh, by Barnes. It says this, and I'll read this slowly because this man, uh, it's, it's, this is really good what he has wrote, um, but, but he is, he is uh, I don't even know what the right word is. He's, he's very uh, deep in his writings. So I, I ask you, be attentive and absorb this as I read this to you. The word name here would refer properly to all that God had done to make himself known, since it is by the name that we designate, or distinguish anyone. And thus understood the meaning would be that the word of God, the revelation which he has made of himself and of his gracious purpose to mankind is superior in clearness and in importance to all other manifestations which he has made of himself. All that can be known of him in his works. Beyond all question, there are higher, clearer, there are higher and clearer manifestations of himself, of his being, of his perfection, of his purpose, in the volume of revelation than any which his works have disclosed or can disclose. Think about it this. How do you know someone? How can you identify a person? It's by their acts. It's by their deeds. Maybe you could say by their line a profession. I'll pick on my old man. When you hear the name Brian Lewan. What do you think of? Anybody care to venture out? It's not a trick question. Taxidermy. Yeah. You think of a taxidermist, and you might think of a good taxidermist, one that that exceeds even maybe some of his his, uh, competition or whatever. Um, How about when you hear Pastor Mike? You hear that name. What does it mean? You might think Harvest Church. You might think Pastor. You might think one who esteems the Word of God. You might think one who preaches the real deal, the word of God uncompromised. You know, These are things that go along with the name. So what do you think when you hear God? There's so much that goes along, but I brought along a little thing here that says the names of God. He has multiple names that he has called himself to help us understand what his name means and who he is. For example, Jehovah Shalom. He is the Lord of our peace. He is the God of peace, and He's the God of our peace. How about Jehovah Jireh? You ever heard that before? We all like that one. That's because He's our provider. That's what that means. God is saying His very name means He will provide for us. But His Word is above that. Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord your physician. These are the things that he has said he is to us. He is our healer. He is our provider. He is our peace. He is our salvation. He is all these things. And we see all these things in his name. But his word is above that. He said his very word far exceeds Jehovah Jireh. His word has been exalted above Jehovah Rapha. His word is above His name. So what is it in His word? Why would He put that above His name? Why would He put that above who He is and what we would think that He is? Because there are things in His word that you can never get out of His works. Those are His works. Those are His deeds. Those are the things that He does. And I'm not making light of them because thank God for them. And that is a wonderful blessing. But I'm just telling you, He exceeds that with His own very word. In His Word, he is, he is more known, and you can know God greater than you can ever know Him through His name. You can hear about Jehovah-Jireh all you want, but if you don't get into the Word and learn God, you will not experience but the surface of Jehovah-Jireh. And you can experience all these things through healing and prayer and, and, and corporate worship, But it's nothing compared to how you can know God through his word. Esteem the word of God highly. God put it above his own name. It's more important to him than his very name. And it should be and it is more important to us than his very name, than his hand and his works that he puts out to us. There's nothing wrong with desiring earnestly the best gifts. Obviously, That is the word. There's nothing wrong with expecting God to bless you and give seed to the sower. That is his word. Those are the things. But that's not all that it is. We long to know him greater than we long to see him and his works move in in our lives. The very knowledge, the very understanding of God is far greater than all of that. There are very many points in relation to God. Of the highest interest to mankind, on which the disclosures of science shed no light. How many things does science try to figure out? They can't touch it. They can't touch that massive universe that's out there. They can't even begin to fathom it, why it all exists and what it's all about. And that's just God. That's how He is. There are many things which it is desirable for man to know, which cannot be learned in the schools. A philosophy You can't get this stuff By being taught it You can't get this stuff by, by just somebody sharing Their own personal experience And things like that That's good Don't get me wrong But there are things That, that you want to know in here And I know many of you There is burning desire in here To know things about God And to understand God In a greater way than ever before A hunger and a thirst That can't be quenched Any other way Than right here It doesn't come from his presence It doesn't come from his his healing lines It doesn't come from the displays and manifestations of his power It comes from this right here All of those things stem out of this But it's right here that you're looking for There are consolations which man needs in the world of trouble, which cannot be found in nature. Nature is an incredible, awesome thing. Science can't put it all together. They try and they figure out what they can, but there's just so much out there. And and as a Christian, I'm sure all of you can enjoy the beauty of nature and, and be thankful for it and what God has done, and, and it just it proves God. It by all means proves God. But... It cannot be found there. There's consolation. There's things on the inside of you, needs that you have that nature can't fulfill. You know, a lot of people like to go on their spiritual trips or whatever and get lost in the woods for months. I've heard of people doing this. I don't get that. They're, not, they're, they're out there trying to find God and find themselves. They didn't have to go out into the woods to get it. need to go to a bookstore maybe, but... It's right there. If they will esteem the word of God highly, they'll find those things that they yearn for. So many I hear desiring what has God got for me and where does God want me to go and all of these things. It's right here. And you might think, oh, this is so much and it's so vague for, dis- for, for individual life on, on exactly what God has for me. Get in there and this thing will light up and it will become so real to you, you will become so knowledgeable of God, and you will become so intimate with God through this that you'll know, that you know, that you know what you need to know. Those things that you're looking for right here. Esteem the word of God. There is especially a knowledge of the method by which sin can be pardoned and the soul save which can never be disclosed by the telescope Or the microscope. You can study it all you want. Look at a theologian. A lot of theologians really struggle with this because they're trying to figure it out via knowledge. They try and study it. They try and study other man's works, dig through the old books, try to figure out how this thing works. It's not there. It's in the Word of God. And when you discover what God has done for you and you accept what God has done for you and He becomes the Lord of your life, and the pardon of sin takes place, the new creation takes place, you can't get that stuff by being taught it. You can't get that stuff any other place than the Word of God. And that's why, you know, Pastor was teaching about faith, and how can you have ever heard if there wasn't a preacher? You know, first time somebody hears about salvation, they're hearing the Word of God. And as they esteem that Word, then it becomes salvation unto them. Otherwise, it don't. if they don't esteem it, it don't become salvation unto them. You can teach it to them all you want. You can show them how it's changed your life all you want. If they don't esteem the Word of God, it will never become anything other than them than just words on a page. Esteem the Word of God. Make it something of a great priority in your life. Faith comes by hearing the Word and hearing the Word of God. Faith comes... By hearing the Word and hearing the Word of God. It don't come by practice. It don't come by trial and error. It don't come by somebody else's experience. It don't come because you've been doing church for so long. It don't come because you've been a Christian for 20 years. None of that does it. It's hearing and hearing the Word of God. Esteem the Word of God. Make it a priority in your life. Put it first in your life. You want to know God? Get in the Word. I mean, I'm, I'm preaching to myself more than anybody else in this whole room. I can guarantee you that. I'm hungry to know God, and I wonder why I haven't figured Him out yeah. yet. I want, and I'm not going to figure Him out. Don't get, don't get me wrong. But I wonder why I've come this far in my walk, and I'm so lack in the knowledge of who God is. I don't esteem the Word enough. I don't make it a priority enough in my life absolutely don't and i and i've seen this and as i've studied this it it just blows my mind how the answer has been in front of my face this whole time we look for it in a prayer line we look for it through prophecy we look for it through a manifestation of the spirit on a sunday morning those things are all good don't dare stop desiring those things we're instructed to do so And by all means, those are good. And those things are the dinner bell sometimes to help an unbeliever come to the place of seeing the word. So I'm not making light of those things, and I'm not trying to say they're of no importance. But I'm not going to find what I'm looking for in those things. Because the word of God is exalted above his name. His name is those things. His name is those works, the displays, the manifestations of His power. You can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's His name that backs that up. That's His name that does that stuff. Yes, it's in the Word. Don't misunderstand, but that's His name. But you want to know God. You're not going to experience it praying for people. You want to know God on a greater level. You want to know what God has for you. This is the one and only place. So many want to run out and just get started. Because they're hungry, and that's good. That, that, that tenacity is a good thing, it's, and that excitement is a good thing. But pour it into this. Pull off of this. Glean out of this. Put all of that energy into studying this. That doesn't mean you just read it as fast and as hard as you can and get as much of it in the inside. There's nothing wrong with that. But study it out. When it's When something pops at you, give it some time. Look up some scriptures that go with it. Grab a commentary. Get online. They're endless. There's free endless apps that have this stuff, you know, that have the commentaries and things like that. You can start digging into that, and you will find yourself blown away with who God is. And it just brings such an awesomeness in your life to think that he is so beyond what this can absorb that only this can get a hold of it, and only this can grab it and run with it. And when you do that, Man, it's just, life is a thrill, a joy. It's a ride, let me tell you. And, and I'm, I'm just tipping the iceberg here. You know, there's just so much in this that we can't even touch on a Sunday morning. You'll never get enough of it to really fulfill your heart just on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. Get into the Word. Esteem it highly in your life. These things, if learned at all, must be learned from Revelation. And these are of more importance to man as a traveler to another world than all the learning which can be acquired in schools of philosophy, valuable as that learning is. Again, I'm not making light of all the understanding that you can get, and it's good to study and to learn other things and to learn uh, how to be successful in life, even. But none of it touches the value of this right here. You won't get it from a prayer line, you won't get it from a miracle. You'll never find it in nature, even though God created it. You will only find it in his word. It's the only place it is. Again, I'm not not saying that these other things aren't it, but that hunger, and I know many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't, go go for it anyway. God will show you what I'm talking about, but there's a hunger in here. There's something else deeper, further than what you're experiencing. You know there's more. You know you want more. You know you have to have more. You're just not sure where to find it. Esteem the word of God. Start putting it inside of you and watch that come to life on the inside of you. Scott shared this on a Wednesday night a while back, but he had a vision a little while back, and some of you have heard it and some of you have not. But this, this is it. This, this, is, this is what he's talking about, and, and, and this is how we accomplish what he is, has he is seen in this. I want to read this to you. I saw a pen filled with sheep that were dirty, worn down, beaten up, and starving. The ground beneath them was trampled, desolate, and barren. The pen had a narrow opening, and in this doorway was the shepherd, the word of God. He was in a very white robe and his arms were wide open. He stood at, on a vast lush ground with long green waving grass and right behind him in the midst of this beautiful land was a beautiful church that illuminated. At first I wasn't sure what this was until I received in my spirit the revelation of its meaning. This is the state of the church and what is required of it to receive the promises of God. My sheep are confined and wrapped in their own world. And I stand at the doorway with my arms open, but their lack of knowledge of my word keeps them from going. Keeps them going around and around in their own sorrows and misconceptions of who they are. It will only be through the word that they will get the nourishment and strength to become the church that will survive in these last days. This church will be immaculate and clean from all the temptations of the world, and they will be led by the Spirit of God and will desire all things that are righteous and holy, that which is pleasing to the Father. It will be a beacon to the world that is surrounded by darkness. It's the Word. Esteem the Word of God. There are so many people that are stuck and hurting, that life has beaten them up, they're down on themselves. They're, they're down on life. They don't know what to do. It's in the Word. It, who you are in Christ will set you to a state of victoriousness that you cannot achieve by, by any lessons, by any teaching series, by any uh, self-help thing, whatever it may be. You will not find the perfection of it. Remember those scriptures that Pastor read out of Revelations? Those who hear are overcomers. They overcome. Those who have heard and have overcome, those are the ones that share in what God has for them. And he says, as he was teaching the churches, that's what he kept saying. Well, if you don't hear, in other words, you don't esteem the word of God, you will not live that overcoming life, that victorious life that God has for you. Whatever It may be that comes against you. There it is, right there. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You need faith to do the things that God has called you to do. You need faith to move through the things that come against you. You need faith to be that overcomer that God has made you to be. It is by faith, and faith alone, and it's through the word that that faith comes. No other way. You won't find it any other way you will never be what God intends for you to be if you don't esteem his word and get into it period you can't be because you'll never know who God is and who he's made you to be you will never be the overcomer that is spoke of in revelations if you haven't first been a hearer one who esteems the word of God Scripture keys, subjects, different scriptures on it. And I've got faith here I've opened up to. Now, this is endless of so what it is. But I want to read a few scriptures on faith. I want to esteem the Word of God this morning and give you the Word, and I hope that you'll take that and, and allow it to move in your life. And I've got a few other ones I wrote down about esteeming the Word. But the most important one on this page that I, that I think makes the most sense this morning as in Hebrews eleven, six it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he cannot come to God for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you don't esteem the word of God and even believe in I mean, you've got to believe in God first before any of this even works. Which obviously those of you in this room, we believe in God, and we when we have that faith. In God, it's because we've seen it in the Word. No other way, no other how. I mean, did God show up to you and tell you that you are saved, you're a chosen one, you will be with me in heaven because you have confessed your sins and made Christ your Lord. Has anybody ever seen that or had that happen when you got saved? I've never heard of it. I've never seen it. it sure as heck didn't happen to me. But I know that I know that I know, and I don't care what anybody says, there is no convincing me otherwise that I am saved, I am a chosen one of God, I have been made to be an overcomer, and I will be in, in heaven through Christ when my day comes or when this whole gig is over. There's just no convincing me. And I've never had God show up on a bright, shiny horse and tell me that. I've never had a, a, a prophecy come to tell me that I'm saved. I saw it in the Word. I esteemed it. And then by faith, I moved on it. If I'd have never heard the word, who knows? It's through the word that faith comes. I'm trying to remember where I wanted to go here. <laughs> I've got a couple other scriptures that... I want to read to you. I don't, you don't need to look them up. They're in the Word. You can check them out later if you want to write them down, but don't, don't waste your time turning there because sometimes I think when we even read along, we're reading along, especially if your translations may be a little different. You're missing some words and you're trying to gather where you're at. So just esteem the Word of God and absorb this stuff that I'm going to read to you. We're going to start in Psalms 119, verse 9 and through 20. But again, just, just listen to me. You can write, write it down if you want to look it up later. But how can a young man "'Cleanse his ways by taking heed according to the word, to your word. "'With my whole heart I have sought you. "'Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. "'Your word I have hidden in my heart "'that I might not sin against you. "'Blessed are you, O Lord. "'Teach me your statutes. "'With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. "'I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies "'as much as in all riches.' I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. doesn't say one thing about the blessing of God and the the things that he gives us. He doesn't say one thing about being victorious over his enemies or having all the riches that he needs or any of that stuff. He's desiring one thing. He's esteeming the word of God, and he recognizes that that is more important. I love that last line. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. My mind, my will, and emotions break at your judgments. And there's a scripture in Hebrews talks about the Word of God as a two-edged sword. And you may remember a while back, this was just stuck in me and it's never going to probably ever go away. And I hope it never goes away. But I taught, when we taught the young adults, some of you older ones, I'm sorry you didn't hear this, but um, I taught out of Hebrews about how the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, how it divides between spirit and soul. And that's the thing that will cut a person and it separates them and they can see them versus God and they realize where their error is at and things that are out of, out of whack with God and at that point they have a decision of whether they'll get in line with God or they'll run from him and that's what this is basically saying my soul breaks with longing for your judgment if you long for the word of God you're going to go through some breakings and God's going to break some things out of your life and pull you away but I tell you what that's when you just start getting closer and closer and closer to God. It's not a painful process in that sense. It's a humbling process. And yes, sometimes it brings tears because we recognize as we esteem the word, we recognize areas that aren't right with God and we, we move towards God and that word, that sword will cut them off. Psalms 37.30 says, The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Psalms 19, verse 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, much more than fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Esteem the word of God. I mean, there's a whole message in its, in its own right there. It converts the soul, makes the wise, uh, making wise the simple. Rejoice comes in the heart, enlightens your eyes. It endures forever. It's sweeter and finer than gold. I mean, any precious thing that you could ever come up with in this earth, this is higher and above it all. God created all the earth. That's his works. That's his name. But again, the word is higher than that. Psalms 138.2 I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness, your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name. God has placed his own word above his name. We too need to esteem the word of God. Put it in a higher place than anything else in your life. Take time daily to read the word of god you don't have to read novels and novels and novels of it every day if you get two scriptures out and you meditate on them and you pull them out and you read them and you take just i mean even two scriptures a day you'll be amazed at how your life will start to change and how you'll start to come to that place of knowledge and understanding of who god really is how to bring you to a, a type of faith that you can say unto this mountain go go you're done we're not having this no more And it goes because you know who you are in Christ. You know the word of God and you have faith in that word, not because you saw somebody else do it. You know, you see fraud stuff all the time. Even in the Bible, these guys wanted to buy it. They wanted to buy what Peter and uh, John had or whatever, and they wanted to buy it and be able to do the power and the works of God themselves. It's not something you can be taught. It's not something that you can just earn. Again, I don't care if you've been a 20-year-old Christian, a 5-year-old Christian. None of that is, is going gonna, is gonna to get you what you're looking for. That hunger and that thirst on the inside of you is found here and here alone. Esteem the Word of God highly in your lives, and you will be victorious, and you will be one of those overcomers in these last days. You will be that, that bright, illuminating church. On the other side of the fence that's in the tall luscious grass that's shining out there for that world that so desperately needs somebody to get their nose in this book and get a hold of it and bring it to them and show them what it is stand for what is right and do those things that god has called us to do so esteem the word of god amen amen heavenly father i thank you for your precious word today I thank you, Lord, for your judgments, your commandments, and what you have shown us this day from your word. I pray, Father God, that a hunger be birthed in the hearts of all the people that are within hearing this day, those that hear this later on a CD, wherever it may be, Father, that a hunger be birthed in their hearts for your word and your word alone. I thank you, Father God, that as these people esteem the word of God highly, as they place it first in their lives, Father God, that they will be made overcomers. Their faith will excel. If, Father God, questions shall be answered, understandings will come, longings will be fulfilled, troubles will be cast away. Father, they shall be made overcomers through your word. So I thank you, Father, and we desire as a people to esteem your word. Help us, Lord, to be doers of this today. Help us all, Father, including myself, prick our hearts when we have free time. And and as we go through our daily lives, don't let us just move so fast and be so caught up that we miss another day, that another opportunity is missed. But help us, Lord, to, to understand the importance of esteeming your word and to find those times to do those things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, I believe that is all that I have for you today.